Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stand with me this morning. So good to see you. We are glad that you are here. Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful to be in your presence, to hear your word, to worship, to praise. And Lord, just bless everyone here today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbors. I'm glad you're here today. Well, if you would go to my car and you would see where my presets are uh, on music. I'm not a big music guy, but uh, if you push my buttons, it would be 60s music, 50s music, and 40s music. So Carrie gets in my car and she says, you have the worst music in your car. But how many of you know it's all relative to what you like and everybody is different? Uh, The other day, we were at uh, Hartley's birthday party. Actually, her birthday was on Thursday, but we had the party yesterday. And so we all gathered around. There was this wonderful um, Sesame Street cake and all of our little uh, you know, nursery kids from uh, preschool and daycare were there and family and friends. And so we all gathered around. She had two candles there. She turned the terrific twos and uh, she blew the candles out and we all sang happy birthday. And then about 7 or 8 o'clock last night, Matt texted me and said, Hartley's sitting in her room singing happy birthday to herself. (laughs) You know, music has a way, it it stirs things up in your life, either good or bad. You know, you you have different kinds of music and we all have different tastes. Uh, Maybe you came from uh, pop or it could be country and western or maybe it's rock and roll, it could be rap. I mean, it's all kind of different music. And uh, it may be... uh, you know, uh, I'm waltzing across Texas with you, Ernest Tubb, or, or it could be Purple Rain by Prince or Beatles, uh, I Want to Hold Your Hand, and, and it could be so many different things. Tammy Wynette, Stand By Your Man. Some of y'all don't even know these songs, do you? Maybe, maybe uh, you're uh, rock and roll and maybe the Stones, I don't get no, can't get no satisfaction. But... I found this out the other day. I don't know any of these songs. The number one song on iTunes to reach one billion in purchases, Speed of Sound by Coldplay. Top song streamed on Spotify, Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. I have no idea who those people are. But when you get a billion, I think somebody knows who you are. And maybe you're a Presley fan. You know, Elvis, his first uh, hit was uh, That's All Right, 1954. Then 1956, it was Heartbreak Hotel. And uh, if you're going to find Elvis today, you better find an easy listening station. But when he came out, it was a big controversy. How how many of you, uh, let me rephrase, uh, how many of you have ever read about, uh, you, You may remember when Elvis came out, it was a big deal. Let me read a couple of things to you. Dorothy Riker, who was the columnist for Tampa Bay Bay Times, said, He cannot sing. His whole performance is crude and disgusting. In a comparatively short time, he will be forgotten. 1957, one writer from the Los Angeles Mirror wrote, I want to smack that sneer off Elvis' face and send him out for a haircut. (laughs) Herb Rout, columnist for the Miami Daily News, said Elvis can't sing, he can't play the guitar, he can't dance, yet 2,000 idiots show up 
per show to yelp every time he opens his mouth. <laughs> I think Elvis did okay. What do you think? So here's a passage, John 4, 24. Most of you know it. Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. He said, God is a spirit, and they that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. So not just in truth, but spirit. Not just in spirit, but truth. Both of those have to be married together. You have to have spirit and truth together. So what happens when we worship? Well, I want to I reveal that to you a little bit later on, but I want to read to you an excerpt from a U.S. newspaper. And this is an article also from Kenny Lamb who shared about the different uh, taste and the controversy in music, not only in America, but also in the church. Some of you know there's a lot of controversy in music in churches. So here's the article. There are several reasons for opposing it. One, it's too new. Two, it's often worldly, even blasphemous. The new Christian music is not as pleasant as the more established styles because there are so many songs you can't learn them all. It puts too much emphasis on instrumental music rather than godly lyrics. The new music creates disturbances, making people act indecently and disorderly. The preceding generation got along without it. It's a money-making scheme, and some of this new music upstarts, they're just lewd and loose. This article was written by a pastor in 1723. Did, did you hear what I said? Th this article was written in 1723 by a pastor, and he was attacking Isaac Watts, the hymn writer, who wrote some of the great hymns such as At the Cross, Jesus Shall Reign, Joy to the World, We're Marching to Zion, Beautiful, Beautiful Zion, and Alas, Did My Savior Bleed, and When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. They hated that music. So this is nothing new. This has been going on for about 2,000 years. Uh, in May of 1789, Reverend Adam Rankin told the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church that was meeting in Philadelphia, and I quote, I have ridden horseback all the way from my home in Kentucky to ask this body to refuse the great and pernicious error of adopting the use of Isaac Watts' hymns in public worship in preference to the Psalms of David. So back in about the 9th, 10th century, the Gregorian chant became very popular. It was used in churches and Catholic churches all the way to the uh, you know, 1950s, really. In 1540, John Calvin stated the only psalms that were appropriate for worship were the psalms. In 17, uh, 1517, Martin Luther uh, sparked the Protestant, what we know as the Reformation, and he started to write hymns for the church, and it became a great controversy. 1750, the Wesley brothers, John and Charles Wesley. Have you ever heard of those guys? They wrote hymns to teach doctrine and also theology. And again, it was a huge controversy in the church. And here are the songs. Hark the herald angels sing. Love divine, Jesus, lover of my soul, father of all, Christ the Lord is risen today. Oh, for a thousand tongues, blessed be the name. Oh, I tell you what, those are horrible songs. Can't, can't have those in church. Too modern, too controversial. When jazz music began in the 20s and the 30s and the early 40s, the Catholic church, by edict of the Pope, barred pianos in the church because it was too jazzy. We don't want any jazzy Catholics. 
Then when the Jesus movement came out in the 1960s, they just made a movie of that recently. Then that's when we had guitars and drums and tambourines and basses and different things in the church. So how many of you know music has evolved really in the church for thousands of years? So here's the question, what happens when we worship? Well, there's a lot of different types of worship. Your giving is worship. Your sacrifice is worship. Your service, your serving is worship. Using your gift is worship. Anything we do in the kingdom is really worship, isn't it? But I want to really direct ourselves to music and singing and, and praise and worship. I want to give you just four keys today in our time together. If you have a pencil and paper, I want you to just jot these down just so you can go back, reflect on them, and think about it. Here's number one. When we worship with music and singing, there can be and should be an atmospheric change internally and externally. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, you know, the Bible really gives us some really definition and keys and understanding. This is 1 Samuel chapter 16. Most of you know, and I want to preface this, and you're going to think this is very political, but it's very biblical. So Saul was the king, and he was the first king of Israel. Saul was disobedient. He didn't obey the word of God. He didn't listen to the people of God, and he didn't prepare his nation for war. That sounds very contemporary to me. Let me say that again. I'll talk to this group over here. That sounds very contemporary to me. You see, we repeat the same mistakes over and over through history, and there's a classic line, if you don't learn from history, you're going to repeat it. So the Bible says, verse 13, then Samuel took the horn of all and anointed him, that's David, in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah, verse 14, but the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. So the anointing left Saul, fell upon David, and now Saul is depressed, he is despondent, he is distressed in his spirit. In verses 14 through 18, the, the people who served Saul saw his condition, and they begin to look for someone who could play and relieve his spirit. He's still the king. And so they, they found someone by the name of David. Isn't that amazing? The very one that the Spirit of the Lord rested upon and the Spirit lifted off King Saul is David. And David, according to verse number 13, he is not only skillful in his playing, but he's very anointed. Listen closely. You can be skillful without being anointed, and you can be anointed without being that skillful. Isn't it wonderful when skill and anointing both merge together? Have you ever um, sang next to someone who wasn't very skillful? Pray for the anointing, right? So, you know, you don't have to be great at whatever you do, but let me tell you, the anointing trumps everything, doesn't it? Verse 23, these are the results of David's playing. And whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed. Everybody say refreshed. Saul was refreshed and was well, and the harmful spirit departed from him. So when you feel overwhelmed... When you're distressed, despondent, whenever you feel down, here, here's a good key for you and I. Maybe we need to worship. Maybe we need to sing. 
Maybe we need to just praise God in our own way. Could be here corporately as we did a moment ago. It could be maybe in your home with your family, driving down the road in your car, in your prayer closet, whatever it is. But, but this is an amazing thing because that energy, that peace, that calmness can come into your life. So I did a little study here on this word refreshed because Saul was what? Refreshed. It is the Hebrew word that is ravaka. And it means to, and I love this, to enter a wide place. It means to be spacious, to breathe, breathe easily, to be relieved, revived, and also to, to smell a delightful scent or a delightful odor. So whenever you feel like you're trapped or, or the world's kind of closing in on you, you know what would be good? Just let that music let that singing, that worship, that praise come into your life, that you're listening, you're participating, and all of a sudden, it's just like it opens up. There's a refreshing, there's a newness that comes to your soul. So that's the thing we ought to be doing. We ought to worship. You know, the Bible says to give the sacrifice of praise. How many know sometimes it's not always easy to worship? I mean, things are going bad, it's a bad day, you don't feel good. Listen, the Lord didn't say worship me when you feel good. At that point, it becomes a sacrifice of praise. Listen, things aren't going good in my life, I don't feel like it, but I'm going to sacrifice it anyway. What does it do? The same thing it did with Saul. Even though Saul had the anointing leave, he was refreshed by what David did, what he heard. And that's exactly, and let me give you another illustration, in Acts chapter 16. Remember where Paul is preaching, uh, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons? Not everybody likes the work of God, right? Now, he and his partner Silas, they're thrown into prison. But before they get into prison, the Bible says they were beaten, then they were whipped, then they were taken to the inner prison, their feet put in stocks and chains, can you imagine lacerated backs, bruised, purple, black, blue? I mean, all the things you can think of. You're in an inner chamber of prison. You are in stocks and chained, and you think they may kill you. But at midnight, everybody say midnight, in the darkness of a dungeon, they begin to pray and sing. And guess what happened? Well, what did I say? First thing that happens when we worship God, when we, when we begin to hear the music we sing, the atmosphere in your life can radically change. They began to pray. They began to sing. The Bible says they sang hymns. And all of a sudden, there was an earthquake. The jailhouse rock, before Elvis, the jailhouse rock, and, and the Bible says the doors opened, the chains fell off, and everybody was freed. Prison guard goes in, and Paul says, uh, don't harm yourself, we're all here. And that night, Paul was able to preach the gospel to that guy, his family. The whole household is baptized, saved, and the guy who put the stripes on his back is now washing his back. How many of you know, the whole atmosphere changed. Sometimes when we get into that, we, this is what we sing, oh, woe is me, bad day. You know, it's kind of like hee-haw. 
What else can happen to me? Woe is me. So if it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all, right? So they changed the whole atmosphere as they prayed, they worshiped, and they began to sing. Here's the second thing. Anointed music and worship entreats the presence of the Lord or the hand of the Lord for direction and provision. This is 2 Kings chapter 3. There's a king, the king of Moab, who's attacked the northern kingdom. Jehoram, the son of Ahab, is the king, and he knows he can't defeat those uh, uh, Moabites, so he asks for help. He asks Jehoshaphat, who's the king of Judah at the time, and the king of Edom to help him. So he gets an alliance of three different kings. They're going to go find the Moabites, and they go on a journey for seven days, and they run out of water. You know, some of us have been to Israel. It's a pretty arid land in parts of Israel. On a seven-day journey, they run out of water. There's no water. Their, their, their men are tired. They're thirsty. Their animals are thirsty. And they think they're in a bad situation, and they are in a bad situation. They hadn't found the Moabites yet. And Jehoshaphat says, is there not somebody we could ask of the Lord? We need to hear a word from God. Have you ever been in a place you need to hear a word from God? Absolutely. He said, we need to hear a word from God. And someone said, is there anybody here who has a word from God? And someone said, there is a prophet still in the land. His name is Elisha. So these three kings, they travel and find Elisha, and they said, we need to hear a word from God. I want you to pick up the story here. But Jehoshaphat, verse 11, said, Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. We're talking about Elisha. So the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, king of Edom, they all go down to, to Elisha. This is what he says when they find Elisha. Now bring me a musician. It, it, listen, that, that strikes me. I'm telling you, every time I read that, before the word of the Lord came, he said, bring me somebody who can play. Bring me a musician. Then it happened. Say that with me. Then it happened. Bring me a musician. Then it happened. When the musician played, the hand of the Lord came upon him. Why did Elisha ask for a musician? Because so many times the praise, the worship, the music precedes the word of God. That's biblical, isn't it? You ever wondered, why do we sing before we preach? There it is, right there. Right there in the Word. We, we need praise. We need worship. It entreats the hand of God. It entreats the Word of God. So worship many times precedes the Word. Here's the third thing this morning. Worship entreats the power of God for victory in our lives. How many of you need the power of God in your life? You know, some of us, we, we, we say, well, um, you know, I just don't know how I'm going to get through this. And, of course, this week there's been a lot of things we're trying to get through. And we need the power of God to get through. Good times, bad times, tough times, grieving times. I mean, times where we don't know what to do, where to go, how, how to proceed. And we need God to give us some direction here. So this is Second Chronicles chapter 20. This is a story most of you know. The Ammonites, Moabites, inhabitants of Mount Seir. Here's a, another threefold army that's come to attack Israel now. Isn't it odd when you read not only in the Bible but through history, there's a lot of people trying to eradicate the Jews. Most of you know that, don't you? That throughout history, there have been nations and people despots and dictators that tried to eradicate the Jews. Why? Because the Jews are God's chosen people. And this is the people the Messiah came through. And now 
Here's another time trying to kill the people of God. And Jehoshaphat knows he needs help because he can't defeat these three armies together. And he says, Lord, we don't know what to do. So he begins to pray, begins to fast, seek God. And God says, this is the classic line, the battle is not yours, but the battle is mine. Aren't you glad the battle is the Lord's? So here is the solution. This is a crazy solution. We're going to attack these three armies, but this is how we're going to do it. I want you to get all of the singers and the praisers in front of the army. I would quit the praise team at that moment. We're going to attack the army, but we're not going to attack with the army. We're going to attack with the worshipers. Read it. It's there. Put them in front of the army, and I want you to begin to sing about the beauty of his holiness. And this is the line. They sang, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And the Bible says when they got close to the enemy, the Lord set ambushments against those three armies. And when they got there, every one of them was dead. Nobody escaped. Now, we don't know what happened. The Bible's really not clear there. But we know when they got there, everybody's dead. We're talking about three different kingdoms, three different armies that's come together, meshed together. When they get there, they're all dead. Now, the word ambushments, not something we use every day, but you do know the word ambush. How many of you wish the Lord would ambush your enemy? Now, don't look around at somebody. I'm just saying, the Lord the Bible says, can ambush your enemy. It's like, if, if you're getting ambushed, somebody's laying in wait, right? I mean, they're kind of sneaky. How many of you know God can be sneaky? I mean, you, you don't see him coming. All of a sudden, boom, he's there with his power, his strength, his victory. So we're on this series about victory. One of the ways you get victory in your life is you learn how to worship and praise Almighty God. You see, this, this is not something that we just do because that's the tradition or that's whatever. No, my friends, this is very, very bi biblical. The Bible says the Lord set ambushes against them. They're all dead. And all that Israel had to do is get the Rolex watches off, the billfolds, the rings. You, you know what I'm talking about. And the Bible says they carried the spoils back to Israel because the Lord defeated their enemy. And they did it by the power of God working in their praise and in their worship. Now, I want to tell you something. Sometimes in my life, I need the enemy pushed back. And you need the enemy pushed back. And one of the ways you push back is you begin to exalt God. You begin to praise the beauty of his holiness. The Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. And so we are doing that very same thing. Now, here's a passage that I want you to actually look at. This is in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 28. I'm going to put it on the board. But I believe that sometimes when the prophetic goes forth, as it is in Ezekiel, and this is talking about the king of Tyre, but the spirit goes into beyond the king of Tyre and begins to describe our adversary. I want you to look at me just for a second. Your adversary, your adversary is not the person next to you. Your adversary is the devil. There is a dark kingdom that's coming against the people of God, the nations of God. And I want to tell you, there is a key here that we need to understand. Chapter 28, verse 12, you are the seal of perfection. 
full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardis, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes. Say that line with me, would you? The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You are the anointed cherub who covers. I establish you. You are on the holy mountain of God. You walk back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. Listen, I don't think the king of Tyre was in the Garden of Eden. I don't think that he was uh, created by God with all these precious things. And if you look at verse number 13, please look. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes. Do you realize that that line is saying that creature was created with music and instruments inside of him? Now, this is my opinion. Please listen, my opinion. I believe God works in threes. I believe that there was a triad of angels. I believe there are archangels. And there is Michael, who's over the warring angels. Gabriel, who's over the messenger angels. And I believe it's very possible that Lucifer was over praise and worship in heaven. But he lost his first estate. He was cast out of heaven because he said, I'll be like God. He covered the throne of God. Matter of fact, it indicates it's very possible he was created with music in his very creation. But he's out now. And it's almost like you and I have been adopted into that category. And so we are coming against the forces of evil, the darkness through praise and worship. And here's number four, the last one. Worship is the protocol and the practice of heaven. Worship is the protocol and the practice of heaven. When we look at what John wrote in the book of Revelation, we get a glimpse of heaven. Would you agree with that? We're seen into heaven. Now, I want to just tell you, 22 times in the book of Revelation, worship is mentioned. Now, most of it is toward God, but there's a few references. They worship the beast, right? But most of it is to God. This is chapter 5, verse 11. I'm going to begin reading there. When I looked, or then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. The living creatures, the elders, the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. Thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power, riches, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. Verse 13, And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Did you get it? Everybody's worshiping God. Everybody's worshiping God. Now, let's bring it up to today. Some of you, your personality is different. I get that. Some of you may have grown up in a denomination or church. You know, they, they really taught against maybe the way that we worship. Uh, I mean, you do know, let me step up here front. You do know that you should go by the Bible. So the, the, the Bible says, clap your hands, all you Pentecostals, and uh, shout to the, to the Lord. No, it, it doesn't say that. It says, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto the Lord. Uh, Paul wrote, he said, lift up the hands which hang down. Uh, 
you know, when you say shout unto God or clap your hands or lift your hands, there's always people who are saying, I ain't doing that. Well, a lot of reasons that, you know, people don't. I think it's a growth thing. I'm just telling you, you grow into it. So, you know, I, I've been preaching almost 50 years now, and so um, I, I've, I've watched people come in that doesn't have a background or come from a different background. And so, you know, they're pretty stoic for the first six months. And then maybe after six months, uh, they look around and they kind of go. And, and, and then maybe another six months, they're at half-mast. And, and then maybe a year or two, you know, they're, they're full-blown. I'm going to raise my hands to the Lord. And sometimes it is a growth thing, right? And, and so here's the question. Why do we clap our hands? Why, why do we raise our hands? Why do we say amen? Uh, why do we, you know, sometimes shout? Well, the reason is it's pretty biblical. And when you say, I just don't like that stuff, you're not going to like heaven. D- did you just hear what I read? Everybody in heaven, everything in the earth, everything under the earth, every creature is going to come to this big, uh, uh, big deal that we're all going to worship God. And if you read that, they're just not doing, they're saying, they're declaring blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Listen, there are creatures over the throne of God that do nothing but say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And when they finish, you know what they do? They start again. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Okay, I got that. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And when they finish, guess what they do? They start again. Why? You can never exhaust the holiness and the power and the glory of God Almighty. Now, there are millions of people on this earth that don't even know where their life comes from. Do you know Paul said this? In him we live, we move, we have our being. Your next breath comes from God whether you realize that or not, or whether you say, well, I hate God. Well, listen, you can hate God, but I'm going to tell you, your next breath comes from God because it's true. By him, all things consist. He created all things. He holds everything together, and he is worthy of our praise and our worship. So as we end this this morning, when we sing, when we play, when we raise our hands, when we clap our hands, when we say amen, when we raise our voices, we set into motion spiritual dynamics. You set into motion spiritual dynamics in your life. And you need those. Can I hear an amen? Either that, you're going to do it all on your own and fail, ultimately fail, Or you're going to say, Lord, I know when I worship you, when I sing, when I hear the music, when I worship you in spirit and in truth, something dynamic happens in a realm I cannot see. I feel it. I know it from the word. But something happens. Paul knew it. That's why he sang in prison. Elisha knew it when he said, 
find me a musician. The keepers of Saul knew it when they said, we need to get somebody to play and sing for Saul because it's going to help him. Music, praise, and worship. Spiritual dynamics. You want to have the victory in your life? You want to see God move in your life? You say, Pastor, I can't sing. Listen, you're not singing for me. You're singing for him. Hey, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. That's all right. When I hear my little grandkids, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. And they're not very good. But I want to tell you something. When your heavenly father hears you sing and worship, you know what he's doing? He's saying, that's my kids. I think I'll help them. I think I'll help them. Anybody need any help here? Yeah, we all need some help. Bow your head with me. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions very quickly. Number one, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to know him. He died on the cross, gave his life, shed his blood that you could be saved. He took your sins, and on the third day he resurrected. Victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Or maybe you've wandered off. A lot of prodigals, we've drifted off. We haven't really stayed the way that we should have stayed, kept our faith or whatever. And I've been there. Listen, no stones to throw. I've been there. So today, if it's your first time or you're coming back to the Lord, or let me just add one more thing to that. Or maybe you're like me. You're just continuing to learn about praise and worship and what it does in our life and the spiritual dynamics it releases to us. That's a good thing. That's a very good thing. So if you're sitting there today and you say, Brother Mike, I need the Lord in my life, would you be so bold and courageous just to lift your hand right where you're at and say, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Several hands are going up right now. Or maybe you're, you're thinking in a different way, saying, Pastor Mike, I, I need to come back to a faith. I need to come back to a place where my parents raised me or that I once knew. If, if that's you, just, just lift your hand and say, you know, I need to get back on track. Thank you. Or maybe it's just this simple to say, after today, I'm going to do a lot better. And getting now that trap feeling, that narrow place, and I'm going to look for that large place where as I praise and I sing and I worship, some spiritual dynamics are going to start working in my life. Would you stand with me all over this place? Let's stand together. We have some people that's going to help us pray. I'm going to ask them to come right now. If you lifted your hand or if you didn't, in a moment I'm going to ask you to come. But I want to add this. If you need prayer today, maybe you're sick in body, and maybe you need to pray for your family, or you need to pray for someone that you want to stand in for. Could be someone sick, could be a financial crisis, marriage crisis. If you want to pray for somebody, or you need to pray for yourself, would you come right now and find someone here, or just come and stand here? We're going to pray together, then we're going to slip out of here. So we want you to come right now. If you lifted your hand, we'd love for you to come. We're going to ask God to help you. Just come on up here. Come on, let's give these folks a hand. People are still coming. 
Listen, this is open for you to come and just stand here and pray today, so don't feel embarrassed at all. We're going to ask God to help us. Just come, stand right here. Now, as they come, I'd like for about, what, 50 or 60 people to come and just gather right here. Would you come and pray for some folks right now? Just lay your hand on their shoulder. Let them know they're not by themselves today. Come on, let's pray together. Tears are flowing. People are asking God for help and direction. And certainly that's what we need today. Let's release some spiritual dynamics in our midst as we call out to God. Come on, let's pray together. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask you to bless, to help, to touch, to heal, deliver. God, we're making our requests known to you. God, touch our lives, encourage our hearts, move, God, as only you can. Forgive us of our sins, help us in our grief. God, touch our marriages, our finances. Help our children, our grandchildren, our husbands, our wives. God, just encourage their hearts today. God, we love you, we praise you, we exalt you. God, you're good. You're merciful. You're kind. You're our help. You're our strength in our time of need. God, we thank you. We thank you. As they pray, look at me just for a second. How many of you think we can ratchet up a notch to say, God, you are worthy of our praise? I lift my hands to you as the morning sacrifice. I give my heart, I give my words, I, I give my strength to you, God, because you are the one who gives me my breath, my livelihood, my life, every day of my life. When I hear the music play, when I hear the, 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 the singers sing, I'm going to be a participant. I asked this question to some of our staff the other day. How many of you know how many musicians David had? Does anybody know? This is going to shock you. David had 4,000 musicians. 4,000. Don't think they all played at the same time, but he had 4,000 musicians. And God called David a man after my own heart. You know why? David was a worshiper. And you and I, we're worshipers because he's worthy of our worship. Give the Lord a hand clap. God bless you. See you tonight. Have a great rest of the day. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.